No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you be all mine? I never was good at sharing. I'm just good at caring. Welcome back. I'm Katherine Marsh. And I'm Melissa Hotmeyer, and this is No Gray Zone Podcast. For the month, we've been highlighting apps and safety tools that are changing the market in terms of protecting against gender-based violence. And we could not finish the month without talking to Quinn Fitzgerald, the co-founder of Flare. Quinn is an entrepreneur and advocate who has taken her passion for innovation and safety and created a safety product that is really meant to empower its users. Quinn and her co-founder, Sarah, began developing Flair while they were getting their MBA at Harvard. And prior to going to Harvard, Quinn worked in the Obama White House for the White House Business Council. We are so pleased to welcome Quinn today to No Gray Zone podcast. So welcome, Quinn. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Catherine. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we are thrilled. We know that there's a million safety apps that are out there that are marketed as safety apps for women to prevent violence. But Flare is different. And it one, it provides users with empowerment and choice. And two, it's it's not an app on your phone. So how did the idea for Flare come about? It's a really great question. My co-founder and I are survivors ourselves. And we're frankly really fed up with seeing images of women walking down dark alleys and having people tell us that we should be quiet or hold back or not do the things that we wanted to do all in the name of our safety. And we were tired of the rhetoric that this industry around safety products had been perpetuating that made it seem like it was our fault for not having tools or for not responding in the appropriate way, if there's ever an appropriate way to respond. And we wanted to change that. For me, safety is about feeling confident, having control, being able to go after your goals fully, and feeling like you can be yourself and bring your full self to every situation. It is not about blame. It is not about fear. It is not about holding back. And to be really frank with you, safety products themselves are not about solving safety. Sarah and I will be the first people to tell anyone that, frankly, flair should not have to exist. It's really terrible that in our world, we need to create a product like flair, which is a bracelet with technology inside of it to help you get out of a situation or call for backup. That kind of thing shouldn't have to exist. And to make a world where we don't have to exist, which is our ultimate goal, we have to tackle this problem from lots of different angles, which is why I'm so excited to be here on No Gray Zone because 
I know Catherine, you and Melissa do this work every single day. And we love to work with and support other people who are tackling this issue because we know that by getting flare out there in the world, it provides you with a tool, not a solution, a tool that you can use today and tomorrow because you feel like you need to protect yourself, but that burden shouldn't be on you. And we need to do work on policy, on education, on health, on so much more in order to create that reality where we can put ourselves out of business. Catherine and I talk about putting ourselves out of business all of the time. That's our ultimate goal. And I think what I love about Flair is that you guys are so honest about that you're not a solution to a problem that you're you are trying to help but that it's not be all and end all that there are multiple facets to safety and that you you care so much about your users and that they're be they're able to use the product and, and that it, it does help them either feel empowered or feel safe so can you talk to us a little bit about you know why it is it was so important in the development process to consider your users i could talk about this for hours So one of our hypotheses that Sarah and I have around why the safety industry has gotten it so wrong for so long is because they just haven't listened to people. They just thought of what the stereotype of a safety situation is, made a product for that, and we're like, good, we're done. We've solved safety. But you talk to any person, you're not going to get attacked in a dark alley. It's usually these weird situations where you're not really sure what the other person's intention is. You get a feeling in the pit of your stomach, the hair on the back of your neck sticks up and you have these tiny little signals, but they're not clear enough that you feel like, okay, now I'm going to spray them in the face with pepper spray, or now I'm going to call the police. Right. And so Sarah and I were obsessed with how do you solve that situation? On top of that, because we felt like so much of the industry had been based in assumptions, we knew that we didn't want to make assumptions. So instead of assuming that our two situations were what everybody else experienced when it comes to safety, we went out and worked with local nonprofits, talked to literally over a thousand people about how do they experience safety. And we learned a lot in that process. We learned some really important things like No two safety situations are ever the same. Safety is deeply personal. You know, the three of us can be in the exact same situation and want to have different things happen at different times, depending on our needs and how we're feeling. And then the third is, even though it's deeply personal and no situations are the same, we did notice some patterns and we kept hearing from people. I knew some signs, but I didn't feel like I could act because I didn't want to escalate the situation and make it worse. So we said, okay, so we need some options in our product where you can de-escalate and get out earlier at the first sign. Some people said, I just didn't want to bother anybody else. And so we were like, okay, we need a solution where you don't have to explain yourself to literally anybody. You just get a phone call, use it as an excuse to leave, and then figure out how you want to handle it after when you're in a more safe environment. And then we hear that everybody kind of experienced these same mental barriers to taking action. They're often slightly different than each other, but they were always kind of things that you have to address in your head in order to be comfortable taking action in a moment of uncertainty. And I can speak from my own personal experience. My rhetoric was 
this is so-and-so. I know so-and-so. No, this wouldn't happen. I'm Quinn. I'm, this doesn't happen to me. Like I'm, I'm confident this doesn't happen to me. And it was that feeling of the best way I have to describe it. It's a really hard thing to describe, but the best way I have to describe it is it's the feeling of having your identity force changed on you in a single moment without your permission and how absolutely traumatizing that is in a moment and how that just like perpetuates you on this circle of doubt, on this circle of excuses, on this circle of oftentimes shock and inability to act. And we wanted to provide things that would one, make it really simple and easy. So you don't have to remember a lot of complicated things Two, really easily accessible so that if you do have kind of like a lucid moment in there, you can take action quickly on it. And three, we wanted to give you options. So many safety products historically have been one solution fits all, and that is never going to work because consent is really important in this space. And if we try to automate a response, for example, let's track your heart rate. And then when your heart rate gets to a certain place, let's alert people. The problem is if you're having consensual sex, then your heart rate is going to increase. And so all of these like weird solutions that have been talked about in the past that take away a person's choice and decision-making in that moment, we felt very adverse to. And we knew that we wanted to give something that wasn't just one thing, but gave you some optionality and choice to analyze a situation. And then we also build up our community of users so that they can work with each other and talk with each other and put out a lot of educational materials and work with a lot of organizations that do the same to help you learn about your own preference so that when you're in that time, you're more able to have the wherewithal and the kind of mental playlist to go through of like, okay, here's what I'm noticing. Here's what I'm paying attention to. Here's how I'm feeling. So here's what I'm going to choose and do and to kind of know what your options are. And we're a really small team. You know, we're less than 10 people. As a small business, we have a lot of ideas of things that we could do, but our hands are very tied. And that's definitely one of the areas we're really excited to grow in the future. We love the whole concept of flair. Just one, it reinforces the idea of trust your gut which is what Melissa and I talk about so often. So where you say, you know, the hair on the back of your neck goes up, you get that sinking pit in your stomach where you know something's not right, but maybe you don't want to call 911 yet. You don't want to, as you said, pepper spray somebody in the face. But flair is enforcing and make an option that you can have a choice. And it's just uniquely empowering that it allows users choices in the situations and hopefully preventive choices before something gets violent. But Flair didn't stop there with choices. You also provided a bunch of different styles and options for your users as well. And we're gonna have all the links in our podcast notes. But can you share with our listeners why Flair decided to go with a bracelet in particular? Yeah, so this decision was quite frankly, not driven entirely by us. And we get requests all the time for new styles and putting 
our technology and lots of things because not everybody wears a bracelet. So when I said we talked to thousands of people in the beginning of making Flare, we also spent four years developing the product and went through several iterations and several beta tests where we literally put bracelets and other things on people and learned about what would work for them. And the biggest reason why Flare is inside of bracelet and jewelry right now is because it's incredibly discreet. One of the other patterns that we heard people say when we talked to them is, you know, I really didn't want them to know. I didn't want to blow up my spot. And they were saying that because number one, it might be somebody, you know, you might be in a work environment and you're worried about your reputation. And frankly, you should not have to jeopardize your reputation for your safety. Those are not what your options should have to be. Number two, oftentimes people are worried that somebody's intent is worse than it currently is in that moment. So you get this inkling that something is wrong. And then you're worried that if you say something, it will make it even worse. And that person will get even more aggressive against you. And because of those two things, we kept hearing over and over again that people weren't always comfortable speaking up. Or if they wanted to speak up, they didn't feel like they had a plan that in case it backfired, they could have an out. And so that held them back from speaking up. So we wanted to create something where you hit the button, nobody around you knows that you've done that if you don't want them to. Now, if you want them to, you can be like, hey, I have a flare and this just called for backup, so back off. But if you don't want to, you can just press it and you get a phone call or your friend checks in or you know that police are on the way. And so that discretion point, especially when you're in a more intimate situation, is, is really important. Now, safety is a really complicated space. And I will also be the first to tell you that Flare is not a tool for every single safety situation. We are working on providing more and more options to make you feel comfortable in a variety of situations. But I firmly believe that to be on top of your safety, it's not like I'm buying a flare and I'm done. I'm good to go. I'm all safe. I'm all set. It's you need to be educated in, in how you want to respond to things in your own mental health in self-defense. Maybe you want to carry a pepper spray or a knife as well in case calling for backup will take too much time and you're feeling more of a direct physical threat against yourself. Um, going back to your question, because that was a bit of a tangent, but going back to your question, why isn't in jewelry? So number one is it's discreet so that you don't have to cause a scene if you don't want to. And I know people sometimes who don't understand safety as deeply as the three of us do will be like, well, don't you want to cause a scene? And to be honest, like sometimes maybe you do, but if you're going to cause a scene in a moment, if the only option you have is to cause a scene, that's going to limit your ability to take action. And so what we want to do at the very foremost is give you more options to decide how you want to do. So if you want to cause a scene, great, go for it. But also if you don't want to and you still need to take action, we want you to have other options. And then the second reason is pretty straightforward. You don't always have your phone on you, but if your phone is nearby, you can still utilize the power of it. So we wanted something that was like right on your body, that if you were kind of feeling trapped, you had an easy way that was quick to access it. 
And so flare isn't, there's not one type of flare bracelet. I really love that they have different styles. So, you know, you can kind of make it a part of your own style or the or your, your own brand, and you can decide kind of what is right for you. So it's both beautiful jewelry and a safety tool. But can you tell our users how it actually works, how the bracelet actually works? Happy to. So our product is a software and a hardware product. So it is a mobile app on iOS right now that connects to a hardware-enabled, a technology-enabled bracelet. So it's a bracelet with a technology module that's hidden underneath it in between the bracelet and your wrist. So when you're wearing it, people can't see it. And there's a button on the side. Now the button has like a small little lip over the edge to prevent against accidental presses or it bumping up against anything else. But it's still very easily accessible with one finger. And so you can press the button to number one, send yourself a phone call. There's over 10 phone call options in our app that you can choose between. You can change it up at any time. And it's your excuse to leave. So all of the phone calls are like your partner checking in on you, your housemate or your friend locked out, they need help, you're late to a meeting, all things that if somebody was in earshot of you, even if it's not on speakerphone, they could tell that it was somebody who needed your help right away and that you had to go. The second option is that you can press and hold that button and you can send your location to up to five friends. You can change up your friends anytime in the app and we will put them on a text chain with each other so that they can coordinate. So say for example, I sent out an alert to you, Catherine, you, Melissa, you guys could both, and maybe like Catherine knew that I was meeting somebody, but Melissa knew where exactly I was going or what I told her yesterday, a little bit more details, you could like coordinate with each other and share that information and decide what the best practice is. Um, we often recommend that you call that person first because um, maybe they just want a real person instead of a, a, a recording phone call to talk to. Um, but we also send the, your location so they know exactly where you are. Um, and we have people who use this when they're out together, right? If you're out together at a bar or at an event and you are kind of like, hey, we're looking out for each other tonight. Like instead of like standing across the room and having to wink at somebody or give like a secret hand signal that says, come and interrupt this situation right now, you could just press the button on your flare. And then the last feature is that, that when you press and hold, you can also enable your location to be sent to 911. And that is an optional feature. Not everybody wants to call the police because frankly, calling the police can make a situation much more dangerous for a lot of people. And so Flare has that option for people who are really concerned about it. Maybe they have a, a, health, a health risk and they need to be able to call an ambulance right away or something like that. Um, but we also see that utilizing your friends and your your family to be that backup for you can provide you with an alternative to your only solution being to escalate this situation all the way up to the police. We love all the options that you put in Flare. And as you said, safety is deeply personal and these options allow each person to make it personal to them. And we know that part of this, like all innovative businesses, is that, as you said, you went through a whole process with beta testers and 
interviewing people. How did Flare get to the options that it has? Uh, how were you working with those beta tests? I believe it was with college students. Can you talk a little bit about that process? The way that we work on our product is going back to that original statement I made around how safety has been historically an industry based on assumptions. And so we very fundamentally use our users as resources to help us understand what will actually be useful. Because the last thing that we would ever want to do is create yet another device that provides a false sense of safety and security to people. And so we wanted to test it in the field and make sure that it actually was something that was effective and useful. And it might not be effective for every single situation that you're in, which is why we advocate that you do more than just flare for your safety. But that process, that iterative development where you make something that's not exactly right, you give it to people, you get their feedback, then you make another thing that's a little bit better, you give it to more people, you get their feedback, and then you make another thing. That is a process that we use for everything that we do. And we work very closely with our users now to ensure that when we put out something, it's something that will be useful to them. And so originally, you know, our process looked like beta testing, focus groups, surveys, one-on-one -on -one discussions, that all those three things like iteratively, probably three or four times in the course of those four years that it took us to de develop the product. And you know, what's kind of crazy, Sarah and I are not tech people. We are now, but our background is not in technology. My background is in violence prevention, and I worked in the government. Sarah's background is in is in finance and operations and manufacturing and, and mining and things like that. And so we are firm believers that this age-old saying, in the, I guess it's not a saying, it's more of a assumption or a understanding that in the startup world, you have to have done something related to the startup that you're making in order to do it. And we don't believe that because if you find something that you know will be really impactful and that is really important to you, you can learn all of that stuff. And so we've worked with a lot of people to help us make the technology. We've learned a lot of it ourselves. And we're really grateful for that process. And I think that the success that we're seeing now is really not a testament to our work, but to the work of the thousands of people who shared their stories with us. And I, I really hope that they understand how grateful we are for them trusting us with something so personal and sharing that with us. And I also understand where that comes from, because as a survivor myself, I know that I, working in this space every day, I think about what happened to me way more than I ever wanted to. It kind of gives it, it like an outsized presence in my life. But at the same time, I know I'm using it for something good now, where this is something that I couldn't have controlled what happened to me, but what I can do is now take that story 
and help it create something that will hopefully prevent or help other people in those same situations in the future. Absolutely. I think as a survivor myself, that's how I kind of feel in in prosecution. And so, you know, you are helping people hopefully not have to use that term survivor later on because they have the ability to kind of control their own, um, their, their own destiny to be able to get out of situations that they really don't want to be in. And that is one of the key I think parts of the reason we, we created No Gray Zone is because we want to educate our listeners, educate the public on sexual assault and domestic violence, because we think that education is prevention. And I, and what I really love is you guys talk about safety as autonomy. And, you know, I think it's so important because so many people have their autonomy taken away from them in the context of sexual violence. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that means to you personally, and then to to flair as a brand, to brand, you know, safety as autonomy. Yeah, I'm happy to. So for me personally, what safety means is not I'm going to limit myself, or I'm going to think about vulnerability. I don't know if I can swear, but if I could say, I swear, I would say the, you know, I would say the F word when it comes to that word vulnerability, because it's not at all what safety is about. It's not about you or what you can or cannot do. It's about other people. And we know that it's about bad actors and their ability to take advantage of current systems to get what they want. And so I actively choose to see using a safety tool as me claiming my own agency. It's not giving me agency because I already own that myself. It's me saying, I'm going to put my agency first and I want to be in control And I want to utilize my close network of people to know that I never have to feel alone, even when I'm alone. And that is something that's positive to me, because I think that most safety products in the past have used all these words about how you should be scared and fearful and don't do this and don't do that. And it just kind of breaks you down and makes you feel terrible. And it it also makes that reaction of when your mom says to you, oh, don't forget your pepper spray when you go out, you do the big like giant eye roll. Oh, God, mom, right? But when you actually think about your safety, who doesn't give a damn about that when it really comes down to it? So why is it that talking about safety has become this kind of taboo thing that you shouldn't really do? Because I think that, and we're seeing that a lot of people think about this on a daily basis. And we need to talk about it more because that's how real change is made. Real change is not made by flair and wearing it today and tomorrow. Real change is made by policy and cultural shifts and education and so much more. And you asked not just what it means to me personally, but what it means to the brand. And Sarah and I think a lot about this, to be honest, because it's a bit of a nuanced point Welcome to the world of nuance and safety. But for us, what really drives us every day, it is preventing violence. And that is really important and something that we work to do every single day. But more than that, it's what does a world look like when it's designed by us and not by other people? What would we do? What would we not hold back from? If people felt like they were safe all the time and could really bring their full self to every situation, imagine the possibilities. Imagine the innovation and the changes to our culture and arts and technology 
And that is what really excites me. Absolutely. Well, Quinn, until the day that Flair is out of business and Melissa and I are out of business as special victims prosecutors, how can our listeners purchase Flair or how can they, is it even possible if they want to make a donation to get Flair on the bracelet of somebody else? I love that question so much. So first of all, you can go to our website. It's getflare.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, just at Get Flare. And we also have a nomination program. So if you go to our website, getflare.com, you click on our story. Right there, there's a link where you can nominate other people. And we select up to five people every single month to get free flares. And this is really designed because we know that the price point is not accessible to everybody. And we also know that the people it's not accessible to the most probably need it the most. And that's really hard for Sarah and I because we wish we could give it out for free to everybody. But if our company wasn't a for-profit company, we would have never even been able to make the product. And so we wanted to find a way to at least start with this nomination program. And that is just the start as we work on getting more accessible options. And as we grow and scale, we can create more accessible options, which will be really exciting. The other thing I would say is if any of your listeners are service providers themselves or nonprofits, we actually have a discount program for nonprofits who are looking to buy Flare as part of services that they offer people. So they can just reach out to us directly at help at getflare.com and we can loop them into that program. That is wonderful. And we hope that all of our listeners go to the website or follow you guys on on social media. And we will have all of those things um, in the podcast notes so that they can easily access them. But that is all the time that we have today. And thank you so much again, Quinn, for all you're doing in this space, for joining us today and talking about Flair. And if there's anything else you want to tell our listeners, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. I don't want to tell your listeners anything else. I would rather just say thank you to you, Melissa and Catherine, for the work that you do. I know how important it is and how big of an impact it can have on people's lives to have somebody who advocates for you. And I was really blown away when we first met about how open and empathetic you are with the people that you work for with your clients. And that really means a lot. Well, thank you, Quinn. We are thrilled to have you here on No Gray Zone. You are welcome back anytime. We know Flair is to continue to grow, to adapt to what your users find best for them. And we can't wait to see where Flair goes this year, next year, and beyond. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can find us on social media at No Gray Zone RRC on Instagram or Twitter and No Gray Zone on Facebook. There are no excuses when it comes to sexual assault or not having the right response when it comes to safety. I'm just good.